Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Glad to have you hanging out with us. And today, it's that time of year when I like to check in on all the recovery timelines for players who are coming off serious injuries and some of the guys who just have injury histories that we might be a little bit worried about going into this season. So, who better to have on than our old pal Edwin Porras of Fantasy Points and the Injury Prone Podcast and the Injury Prone Newsletter. He's also on Twitter at FB Injury Doc, and we are always fortunate when he carves out some time to join us. So let's get him in here. Edwin, welcome back to the show, man. I mean, we pretend like we haven't been talking for the last 10, 15 minutes before the show, but we have been talking for a while, catching up. I sent you a very long list of players that I was curious to get your take on. The first group will go in depth and you can have the floor. You can explain your outlook for them. And then at the end, I'm just going to do a toss up of some rapid fire names for you, whether you're buying or selling guys based on their injury history. But let's start with the bigger names. Let's start with the bigger injuries and we can go position by position here, though. I will say that there were a lot more quarterbacks and running backs that I wanted to talk to you about than the other positions. But anyway, let's start with Kyler Murray. And this is an interesting one because he suffered a grade three ACL tear in December, and that puts his early season availability in question. It also makes you wonder as a rushing quarterback, you know, is he going to be limited in any way when he comes back? Is he going to want to run as much? Is he going to be able to run as much? And I know best ball players, they've baked that into his price. He's going off the board as the QB 22 right now, which is a long way from where he actually normally is in fantasy. He's been a top 12 fantasy quarterback each of the last four years on a per game basis. So Edwin, is there some hope here that Kyler can come back and make the kind of fantasy impact that he has in the past? Or, you know, our best ball drafters right to be concerned about this. And I'll admit I have them pretty low in my rankings, too. Yeah, this is a conversation that I think is twofold. The first one is just from a health medical perspective. What do we generally anticipate from quarterbacks coming back from ACL tears? And obviously, what is going on with the team itself with the Cardinals? Do they want to bring him back? Do they want to see him show off maybe show off his abilities for some trade value? Do they want to bubble wrap him and make him? you know, part of the plans for the future. The bottom line is we don't know that second part. We have no idea. And I think the, the one thing that I, I do want to sort of like get off my chest, Justin, is that we don't know. Um, we have no idea. And I think that treating, I think the biggest mistake some fantasy players make is treating situations as concrete when we're in the middle of June. We have no idea what Kyler Murray's camp is thinking. We have no idea what shape his knee is in. We have no idea whether Kyler wants to be out on the field and compete, which I can tell you being around pro athletes myself, not football players, but different sport, they all, all they want to do is compete. It doesn't matter the situation, the circumstances, you know, maybe that's to their detriment at some point, but they just want to compete. I have not met one guy and you know, that has openly said, well, you know, I don't take it easy. I want to breeze through rehab or I want to breeze through and just kind of, <laughs> just kind of coast. Like maybe that's 1% of the entire general population when it comes to professional athletes, but guys want to be out there, man. And, and football careers are, they have a short shelf life. So now that I got that little soapbox out of the way, uh, feel free to edit that out, but I really had to get that off my chest. <laughs> Let's look at the medical perspective because that's what you brought me on here for. So from a medical perspective, an ACL tear, when you have surgery, you count backwards from the day of the surgery, not the day of the injury. So Kyler Murray's in surgery was on January 3rd. What we've seen, uh, instead of giving an average, I'll just give, I, I think this helps frame it a little bit easier for some people to understand. Here are some, some quarterback quarterbacks who you can 
kind of relatively compare from a rushing perspective to Kyler Murray uh, and and when they came back. So Donovan McNabb, nine months in a week, and he also had a meniscus issue. Uh, you look at RG3. He came back at eight months, and he had, if I believe, an, eight, uh, an LCL as well. Sean Watson, 10 months. Carson Wentz, nine months in a week, and he had an LCL. You look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's entire knee exploded. Fair enough. He doesn't rush as much as Kyler does, but even though Joe Burrow's entire uh, knee exploded, he was able to come back in nine months in a week. So the bottom line is, you know, when these guys get injured, they come back pretty fast. And that's really something that we need to keep in mind as fantasy analysts is because we need to understand the soonest that a guy can, can, can come back. And the soonest that Kyler Murray, in theory, could come back is at that eight-month mark. Now, because there is some involved meniscus issue, uh, I'm not entirely certain if they if they repaired it or if they trimmed it out. Uh, I would add another two to four weeks to that nine-month mark. So we're looking at somewhere between end of September, beginning of October, the soonest that Kyler Murray could feasibly come back and be safe. Now, could it be before that? Yeah, absolutely. But I, do I think he comes back from a physical perspective or can he come back within the first half, uh, if not the first six weeks of the season? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely on the table for Kyler Murray. Yeah, and I think it'd be one thing if he was projected to come back in you know late November, December, and if the team's not doing well at that point, then maybe the team just decides to keep him out. Or maybe at that point, Kyler kind of looks at the situation and goes, wait, this team's going to have a high pick. They might be drafting my replacement. Is there a reason to come back? I think that's part of the thing that fantasy managers have been considering in all of this. But if you're saying it looks like he's going to come back in the first half of the season, then you know they're not out of the playoff mix at that point. It'd be really hard to hold him out for three months or something like that versus, you know, holding him out for a single month or a few weeks at the end of the season. So I am fairly low on him. I normally, for me, I would just rather take my shots elsewhere at quarterback just because there's so many good quarterbacks now that there's really no reason in my mind to just take on what could be the injury risk and what also could be a potential headache with the Cardinals looking like they're not going to be a great team this season and, and all the drama that's happened there and what could come. So I've actually grabbed the rookie Clayton tune on a, a couple deeper dynasty super flex squads, you know, just in case he does get some starts early in the season, it would either be him or the veteran Colt McCoy. He could be under center for however long Kyler misses. Absolutely. And I think that that's totally fair. Um, if we zoom out from a big picture perspective, there's, Kyler Murray comes with risk, right? And I hope that's not, I didn't come across as saying that he comes with no risk and he's a slam dunk. No, he absolutely comes with risk. Risk from the injury, uh, risk from an exacerbation of the injury, risk from the organization standpoint itself. I 100% understand that he comes with risk. I just think it's not as uh, concrete. I think we have less, we know less of an idea about specifically how it will play out uh, as opposed to maybe how, it, you know, what the potential options are for for it to work out so from a rushing perspective for example it's hard to know as well like that's a little bit more volatile as well Uh, looking at those same guys who came back from a rushing perspective donovan McNabb. it's kind of all over the board donovan McNabb. he had 12 percent more rushing attempts his first year back rg3 had 18 percent fewer deshaun watson had 22 percent more uh carson wentz had 37 percent more joe burrow had uh, it was a 33% less. Um, I'm sorry. I think I messed up Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz had 37% fewer. Joe Burrow had 33% fewer. So it's like all over the board. 
So from an, an attempt perspective, like a rushing attempt perspective, uh, there is just about that averages out to be just about 90, like a 10% drop in rushing attempts per game. So that's also something to consider. Um, there's a lot of risk with Kyler. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, unknown, but I also think like from a best ball perspective, sort of like you said, it's baked in at this point. And I'm, I'm more than happy if Kyler finishes as like the, let's say the QB 15, I don't know, he plays 12 games, 13 games. I, I think at current like even in, especially in best ball like just given where he currently is like i'm fine with that the old better in best ball but i agree with you there that i think that is the one spot where i'd feel more comfortable Classic. grabbing him now we'll go to another nfc west quarterback and a whole different part of the body to talk about here where do you stand on brock purdy's timetable we know that he underwent the elbow surgery had the repair to the torn ucl We've heard that he's got a shot to be ready for week one by all accounts. I mean, everything coming from the organization, from the beat writers, they're saying if he's ready, he's going to be the starter for that team, which I mean, it's not that surprising, you know, given the fact that he did go undefeated when he was healthy last year, they're going to give him a shot to kind of pick up and, you know, start exactly where he left off and try to build off that. But is his arm going to let him pick up where he left off? You know, shed some light on this for us, Edwin. Let us know kind of how you feel about Purdy and his outlook this season. Yeah, man, this injury is basically more than 50% of my world in the, in the baseball world. So I think <laughs> it helps to provide some clarity on the, the differences because people were confused about, you know, UCL or repair versus reconstruction. Long, long, long story short, uh, many variations left off. But here's the, the in a nutshell a UCL reconstruction. The fastest UCL reconstruction is the hybrid approach that they use right now. That's where they go in and they just fix the entire ligament. They reinforce it uh, with a brace and they tie it back down. That's an entire reconstruction. Those will be anywhere for pitchers specifically. Remember, we're talking pitchers here. Pitchers will come back from those nine months at the soonest, but that even that is extremely fast. So nine to 12 months, you know, it can even extend out to 15 months. It's extremely variable. Here's the difference between pitchers and quarterbacks. Throw the throwing motion and the throwing velocity and the throwing volume of a of a quarterback is much much lower than it is of a pitcher. The other thing is because of that, a lot of times quarterbacks can get away with getting a UCL repair, which is different and less of a procedure than the UCL reconstruction. So what the reports that we've seen is that Brock Purdy had a UCL repair. So a pitcher can actually come back in 6 to 9 months from a UCL repair pretty commonly. So for a quarterback where they're throwing less, they're throwing not as hard, uh, I think Purdy now, uh, extending out to week one, he'll be just under seven months. That is a very, very realistic timeline for a quarterback. And I think at that point, the only thing that would set him back or uh, make the organization uncomfortable is that he, if he didn't, if he wasn't able to take live active snaps in training camp, I think that would be an indirect consequence of him not starting week one. But in terms of like physically capable and ready to be back by week one, he definitely, that's definitely on the board. And the importance with him, I mean, it's not just all about the weapons in San Francisco. They have so many great players, as we know, so many awesome fantasy options. But Purdy was a fantasy starter last year. I mean, from the time that he got on the field in week 13 all the way until the end of the season, he was the QB 13 in fantasy points per game among qualified guys because I took out, I think there was one or two like one week starters in the mix there. We bumped those guys out. We're not qualifying them for it. But either way, he was flirting with QB one numbers or at least fringe QB one numbers last season in fantasy. So Purdy right now at QB 25 
it's a pretty interesting play in best ball and in redraft. And I mean, for dynasty, I'll say, you know, I have them on a lot of super flex teams and I'm still trying to buy if the price is right. If I can send a couple seconds or, you know, even a late first to get Purdy right now, everything that we've heard has been that this team is all in on him. And yes, that was sort of a small sample size last year. It could all fall apart. Defensive coordinators have a full off season to prep for him, but we know that most of the quarterbacks that play in that system end up producing. And that means if Purdy isn't out there at the start of the season, that it could be Trey Lance. It could be Sam Darnold. That's a question that we're going to have to talk about, you know, all summer when we discuss these guys and see what happens in training camp in the preseason. I kind of am leaning that. I think they would go with Darnold, but there's been some positive reports about Trey Lance. Some of the players have said good things that, you know, he's kind of improved this year. So Hopefully he will get a chance, whether it's in San Francisco or somewhere else, if he ends up getting traded. Uh, One more quarterback that I want to ask you about, and maybe this one can be quick because Jimmy G, I mean, it's not a great fantasy option himself, but you know, if he's not out there, it's going to have a big impact on Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and Josh Jacobs, unless he gets traded. That's, you know, on the rumor mill right now, but give us the rundown on Jimmy Garoppolo's foot injury. Is he going to be back for training camp or is he going to be back for week one? Yeah. So this is a really interesting situation, obviously, uh, with the contract situation and, and the clause, the contract clause that somehow somebody got a hold of and made public. I think that's wild. I still think that's wild that, that, that somebody's, somebody got a hold of that. But yeah, moral sure. of the story here, he had a Liz Frank injury. And I think this is, I think this is how it went down. Uh, I could be wrong, could be totally off, but this is this would make sense in my head. The 49ers were legitimately hoping to get him back conservatively last year, and I think they were legitimately planning on making a deep run, and they could have potentially had him back in the Super Bowl if things would have swung his way from a health perspective, if there would have been enough uh, healing that happened at that point for him to play and at least be available. I think that was very much on on the books, like that was what they were banking banking on. In addition to that, I think... Uh, I don't want to say a motivating factor, but what that did is when Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, contract, because the contract ended, am I correct? Is that correct? The contract just was over for Jimmy G in San Francisco. Okay. So it's sort of two birds, one stoned. The 49ers weren't on the hook for any medical care because Jimmy Garoppolo agreed like, yeah, let's wait, wait this out. So they weren't on the hook for repairing it and fixing his foot once he was, um, once he was off the contract and whatever team was going to take over his contract would then be responsible for that. Then some, I think maybe the Raiders didn't do due diligence. I don't really know. Moral of the story, Jimmy Garoppolo had a cleanup on his foot. It wasn't in the shape that they believed that it was in. The cleanup will, won't be any longer. You know, the cleanup was in, I believe March, if I get that correctly. Um, it won't be anything longer than like a three month recovery. I think he just had to, had to get it cleaned up. It'll probably be even shorter than that, but he is susceptible to another re-injury he's had these foot ankle issues uh since you know his career has started and since he's been playing so there's definitely uh, a chance of recurrence here he's at a higher risk than other pocket passers to have a a recurrence he's probably not going to be very mobile this year and i don't know man he's i think he'll be ready for week one but uh, he's not a guy that i'm gonna you know I'm not going to chase him very much. As a result, I don't really know what to do with guys like Devontae Adams. I'd, I'll leave that up to you. I'll let you figure that out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough because if Jimmy can't go, you're looking at the rookie Aiden O'Connell would probably be the the best of some bad backup options that they have on the roster right now because I don't see the point of trotting out a veteran like Brian Hoyer. I mean, he's more of a coach than a player at this point. I don't think there's any reason to put him out there. It's also possible, I mean, they could sign somebody like, 
Carson Wentz to a one-year deal or maybe trade. I mean, this is pure speculation. I haven't looked at the numbers, but like maybe trade for somebody like Jameis Winston or another backup around the league like that. But it feels like this is the right year for the Raiders to tank and try to get a, a top quarterback. And the Jimmy G injury would actually help that process along. So I don't even know what they're rooting for at this point. But fantasy-wise, I think unless they – even if they did go out and get one of those other – backups or a Carson Wentz I think right now would just kind of be best if Jimmy G was out there even though I think at this point it's probably a bit of a downgrade from what they had in Derek Carr and I don't know if that was on purpose or if they thought they were upgrading on on Derek Carr but uh, not a great situation in that Raiders offense now in my rankings and my trade value charts I have like a, a little injury identifier next to the players that could be at risk of missing in week one and there's a lot of them in the running back rankings. There are a lot of the top running backs that have to actually be identified as injury risks. And the first is Brees Hall. And I've been kind of cautiously optimistic about his recovery. You know, there's still some worries. You got a ball carrier coming off a torn ACL. And for Hall, I believe it was a torn ACL and a torn meniscus that he suffered in October. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but I've been ranking him ahead of consensus. I think all off season in part, because he looked like one of the best running backs in football when he was healthy last year. And it was sort of a small sample size, but that's why you're here. I mean, to tell me, am I being too aggressive about drafting Hall? Because, you know, if he is out there in week one, it's possible that he's not getting the kind of workload that he was getting last season. He could be limited. They could be playing it safe with him, especially now that they got some real playoff aspirations with Aaron Rodgers there. So tell me, am I being too aggressive by taking Brees Hall? I mean, I would take him in the late second round. I think ADP wise, he's more of a third round pick right now. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I mean, in reality, I would probably take, and, and I'm not going to do this because ADP is allowing me not to do this, but I would take Brees Hall as a top 12, top 15 pick. Uh, he, Some of the things that he did last year were obviously incredible. He's got his shortcomings. He doesn't come without risk. But the bottom line is that you're correct that he had an ACL. He had basically a carbon copy uh, injury that Saquon Barkley had in 2020. Uh, and I actually think the meniscus wasn't as bad. I, I do believe that it was just a trim where they just went in there and cut it out, which means that the nine month mark, the 10 month mark, he's going to be super close to 100%. Is it a guarantee slam dunk that he starts uh, in week one and, and hits hits the ground running? No, it's I don't think that's necessarily the case. But like we saw with Saquon in 2021, Saquon saw 48% of snaps in week one, and that jumped to 88% or something like that in week two. I mean, it was a it was an immediate turnaround. And so I've seen recently the trend of Brees Hall's ADP actually going down, which this is how much people love me, Justin. I put out my newsletter, uh, the Injury Prone newsletter, a piece about why Brees Hall should be getting hyped up. And then immediately the following week, his ADP trends down. That's the kind of carry I, <laughs> I have around here in these streets, I got to tell you. So his ADP is on the way on the downturn. People are scared off specifically by the Saquon Barkley uh, recency bias. Saquon had a fluke ankle injury. You don't have to worry about what happened with him from that perspective. He was on a literal top five to eight uh, running back per, on a points per game basis finish Saquon was in 2021 because he meets all of the criteria being a freak athlete, being extremely young, 22 years old, uh, having extremely high NFL draft capital and just being good at football. If you mix and having a very, very simple ACL uh, uh, reconstruction injury. All of those factors, that's how Adrian Peterson was successful. That's how Jamal Charles was successful. That's how Saquon Barkley was on, you know, the, the upswing to be successful. So it's not just that I think Brees is a good player and, you know, I think he's going to do great and I, I, you know, want him to do well and I'm projecting like, no, Brees Hall objectively meets all the criteria that you would want to see in an outlier 
to 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 be to, to finish as a top five to eight running back overall on a points per game basis. Now, does he come with some risk? Yes. He the the one risk that he comes with is something similar to what happened with Dalvin Cook, where Dalvin Cook came back the following year, uh, very similar in the sense of it was his rookie year, and then the following year came back. He ended up missing five games because of a hamstring strain. That's actually not that common. You see that happen with the older guys. You saw that with Danny Woodhead. Uh, you saw that with Darren Sproles. Both of those guys were thirty plus, but you don't necessarily anticipate that because he doesn't have a history of it and you just he's had plenty of time to recover and recoup now could it happen yes absolutely but unless a fluke you know incident happens or he has some sort of soft tissue setback. I think Brees Hall is, is about to go to the moon. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we could say about all these guys, right? You mentioned at this point in the year, there's still some time before the season. There could be setbacks. Things could change, but we're just kind of gauging where everything's at right now when people are making decisions in their fantasy leagues at the moment. And if you look at Brees Hall last year, like I said, it was a small sample size, but in the games where he played over 50% of the snaps, he was a top eight fantasy back in a per game basis there. So I would probably have him ranked as my number one overall dynasty back if he hadn't suffered the torn ACL. And that that's how high that I'm evaluating him as a talent. So I'm hoping that you're correct. And I'm hoping that he's going to be close to or at a hundred percent and we can see him keep that going. So, okay. So I mentioned like all of those criteria that we talked about uh, for the running backs have, who have come back and, and been outliers. If you're on the fence as a, you know, I'm going to wait until until year two. I think that's a mistake. I think you're missing out on value. Uh, there's really no evidence to show that the second year ACL come, you know, bouncing back in the second year is really a thing. Uh, in fact, we've actually seen that most backs, actually 42% since 2010, actually fall out of the league the second year after an ACL tear. And I think it's another extremely small percentage actually do bounce back. It's it's very small. And those are usually like outlier cases like J.K. Dobbins, uh, potentially Rashad Penny, potentially Gus Edwards. And we'll get to those guys later. But don't just fall for the, oh, yeah, I'll just get him in year two because you, you definitely miss out on value. Uh, I think some fantasy managers do get lost in the weeds a little bit, lost in the sauce. There's a lot of data out there. There's a lot of analysis, but like big picture, don't just fall into a principle or heuristic that you haven't seen evidence for. That, that's what I would say. And I think this is like a perfect example. All right. Well, help. Yeah. Give us some clarity here on Javante Williams because I like him too, but I feel a little less confident in him this year. He had the torn ACL and LCL in October. And based on what I've read, I mean, this injury could be more like J.K. Dobbins and what he dealt with last year when he was kind of delayed and then he was limited when he did get back and then he ended up getting hurt again. And we didn't really see him get back to form until late in the year. And at the same time, I mean, Javante was out there running at OTAs and you talked about, you know, Brees Hall's the public perception and his value going down, his ADP going down. And then there's reports that Javante was out there running at OTAs and other than Samaje Piran, I mean, they didn't really make any big additions to that Denver backfield. So are things trending in a positive direction for Javante or should we be wary of him? I think that from a big picture perspective, he he's obviously not going to be a zero, uh, but I do think that he's at risk to start the season on the pup. This is a more complicated uh, injury for Javante Williams compared to Brees Hall. It does have that posterior lateral corner involvement, which essentially means, you know, you just extend out the timeline because you have to be a little more careful uh, in the first, uh, you know, month or so, six to eight weeks of surgery. And it just takes longer. It's just objectively takes longer. It's going to take at least 11 months for this, for him to fully recover from this and actually be ready and in a position to maybe even make uh, some, some game-like uh, moves, some game-like 
explosive moves. Um, but here's a reason that I don't love Javante, even though he is young, even though he does have high draft capital. He's really honestly not that raw from a raw athleticism perspective. He's not that much of an athlete. Uh, another thing that we looked at from, you know, a Brees Hall perspective is, is and just ACL players who came back from ACL and were effective in their first year back is a speed score. Brees Hall is 92nd in the speed score. Williams is the 69th percentile of Spork, and he's only in the 40th percentile in the 40-yard dash. Um, and his speed score is even lower than that. So, you know, it's not looking good. The other thing is if he starts on the pup, those are the guys that we have traditionally seen not succeed. So Steven Ridley, uh, Jarek McKinnon, who, you know, he didn't even play the second, the first year back. Dion Lewis, he had a cleanup procedure. Kevin Falk, uh, he was a little older. You know, we saw Dobbins and Edwards, Rashad Penny. He had more complications. All of those guys started on the pup. Most of the guys that we've seen fail, if you want to call it fail, after the first year after an ACL is because they started on the pup. So if he starts on the pup and has more knee issues, he's more likely to have lower body issues that are associated with it. Um, in fact, 41%. Uh, of of the sample that I looked at from in terms of uh, players running backs coming back from an ACL uh, and had went on to miss more time additional time because of the knee injury or additional time because of just a lower body injury uh, seven of the 14 were actually linked started on the pup and they were linked to their knee injury their previous knee injury so all of that is to say he can be fine I think there's a chance that he has complications in the way that JK Dobbins had complications so when we talk about risk of all the guys that we've talked about, even if it doesn't come to fruition of all the guys that we've talked about so far today, Justin Javante, just from a historical precedence perspective, a medical perspective, you know, and, and the data that we have, he has the highest chance, the highest likelihood to have some sort of complication. It could come in, come in week 12. It could come in week one, or he could be cruising and it could come in and you're, you think your best ball teams are cruising. It could come in week 15 and they shut him down. There's just a lot of variance that could happen with Javante Williams this year. It's not to say that he can't bounce back, but the last thing I'll say is he, uh, of all those guys that came back uh, and started on pup, the average, you know, the average of their of their fantasy points per game, when you average it all out for those guys that started on pup, was fifty two percent of pre injury levels. It's not great. Yeah, and that's why P Ryan definitely an interesting pick in the middle rounds and somebody who the team said is going to have a role regardless of Javante's availability. But if Javante's limited or out in September, I mean, Pirine could help win you some weeks early. So Sean Payton, I know that he wants to get that ground game going, take some of the pressure off Russell Wilson for sure. I really like Pirine as a pick this year. We'll keep going here. We still got a bunch that I want to talk about. That's it for the ACLs though. I think what about Tony Pollard coming back from the broken leg? Does he have enough time to be good here for training camp or at worst week one? Is he going to be okay? I, you know what? I wish you would have made Tony Pollard a, a rapid fire. Tony Pollard to the moon. He's going to be okay. He is extremely good. I think, you know, the only thing, and I said this on the last podcast I was on, Justin, the only issue that I really have with Tony Pollard, and I think it's a legitimate concern, is that he has a future Hall of Famer backing him up that might take touches from him. Okay. And that is? Uh, Deuce Vaughn, of course. <laughs> Excellent. I wasn't sure if you were going to say Malik Davis. There was a report recently. Malik Davis is going to be the guy right behind him. And no, I've been no, out there no, picking no. up Future Malik Hall Davis in every dynasty league. <laughs> and also, Future I mean, Hall of Famer, all of Kansas these State can grad, be rapid fire, Edwin. I mean, we could go rapid fire from start to finish if you want to. We could have been done the episode in five minutes. Uh, all right. One no, other no, no. running back I want to talk about. Um, I haven't heard people talking as much about him as some of these other ones. And I feel like I'm a little unsure about his health. It's Isaiah Pacheco on the Chiefs. He had two surgeries. One to repair a broken hand, the other to repair a torn labrum in his shoulder. He's not practicing yet. The last thing that I saw from Nate Taylor, the athletic, he said that Pacheco might not be ready until midway through August. 
So that gets the mind racing here. I mean, Jarek McKinnon's on the roster. Could Clyde Edwards-Hilaire get another shot? They have a really intriguing UDFA and Daenerik Prince that's getting a lot of hype. I know they also had the free agent, Daryl Henderson, in for a visit. I don't want to get ahead of myself here, Edwin, but what's your outlook for Pacheco? Could this be a spot where maybe something opens up and we see one of these guys emerge? Yeah, so this is kind of a tough one because there's not a lot out there about it. Do you know by chance when he had his surgery, even a ballpark? I don't have that, no. Because the soonest that I see is, you know, May 5th or something like that, a report about, you know, Isaiah Pacheco says he had off-season surgery. The reason that's relevant is because for the type of labral repair that he had, that's going to require at least three to four months to recover from. Now, I would hope that the Chiefs didn't wait until May and didn't try conservative therapy with him for that long before deciding, okay, it's going to be the, the the beginning of May and we're about to, you know, we're going to put you under the knife for a four month recovery. I don't necessarily, I don't know, honestly, um, that that's the case. I hope that's not the case, but you know, if he has four months, you know, five months even to recover, this is, this is a very similar surgery that T Higgins had last off season. He'll have plenty of time. If that's the case, if the surgery happened in, in, you know, February, beginning of March, but that's really where this, uh, concern is coming from for me is like not knowing the date of his surgery. If somebody can d- confirm that his surgery is, you know, four, he had four months before training camp, then I'm not concerned, but I just haven't seen that. Okay. We'll have to keep on the lookout for that one. What did you think about the Rashad Bateman update that we got in OTAs that he had some hardware removed from his foot recently? And that's after having the Liz Frank surgery after his season ended early last year. And then he gets a cortisone shot in his foot now and has to sit out OTAs, any reason to be concerned about him for 2023 or maybe potentially long-term if this is something that's bothering him? He is still having pain. So I think that ever since, you know, that, uh, that report came out that he had the cortisone injection, people have been, you know, slightly losing their minds. His ADP is on the downturn. Again, Justin, the, the amount of pull I have in the Twitter streets, I put out a tweet about how excited I am and his ADP continues to drop. He <laughs> is, he's definitely not without risk. Just like a lot of these guys that we have talked about, he is at a higher risk to re-injure the foot in this first season back. You don't love that. He's still having severe pain, after the hardware was removed, but the upside is that he had the hardware removed. You know, the hardware might've been causing him pain in the beginning. And so when they remove the hardware, they remove any chance that that's going to be something that has to happen during, during the season, in the middle of the season, he's got plenty of time to continue to recover. I do think that he's going to take a little bit to ramp up, but you know, Rashad Bateman can be successful. I think one of the precedents that we can look at or a guy for precedent we can look back, look at is Marquise Brown. It, not the perfect comparison because it was his rookie season, but you know, Rashad Bateman is a good football player. He has been super unlucky with these injuries. He had a groin issue and you know, now he's got the list Frank thing, but I really think that by the time we get to October, mid October, as long as he's able to stay on the field, uh, I think Rashad Bateman can deliver. I'm still excited about Rashad Bateman. And sort of like you said earlier, this is just the information we have now. Because because this is the information we have now as, we, as we're sitting here in June, I'm not extremely concerned for Rashad Bateman yet. And I'm going to continue to draft him where he was, which is I think it was like a couple of weeks ago. It was like 115 or something, uh, according to, to Underdog. I'll continue to take him there happily. Yeah, same. I'm a, a big Bateman fan. Uh, one more before we get to the rapid fire. Kyle Pitts. I had a grade three MCL tear in November, sat out all off season, didn't participate in OTAs. The team keeps saying that he's going to be back for training camp. Any reason to be worried about everyone's favorite dynasty tight end? Oh, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts. No, he's going to be healthy. 
He, he, this, you know, these injuries are not as severe as an ACL, not as severe as, as some of the other injuries you see. Um, they don't want him to take contact for probably up to six months. So that could be something that, that we keep an eye on. But I think by the time training camp rolls around, he's going to be a full go. The MCL heals very well. It's not a very common injury. I just, I just want him to line up, you know, either next to, you know, on the line or in the slot, or maybe even out wide, Justin, I want him to do this thing called, uh, run a route. And after he runs a route, I would really appreciate if the ball would be thrown to him in a radius that is catchable. And then when the ball's thrown to him, I would really like it if he caught the ball and then scored points and stuff. That would be really great because I know what he's no, capable I know. of. And it makes me so sad when it just I'm right happen. there with you. Yeah. All right. So, okay. That, that is it for the like long answer, long winded in-depth ones. We finally made it here, the rapid fire section. So for these, we're just going buy or sell and you can base it on their injury history, their current injury, their outlook moving forward, all that stuff. And we want quick answers only, but I mean, you can give a little bit of context. You already said before the show that there were some of these guys that you want to talk a little more about. So that's okay. I am not going to stop you here. You just don't have to go as long as we did for the other guys. So let's start with Tua Tagovailoa, who is one of the ones you said you wanted to talk a little more about. Had all the concussion issues last year. Are you buying or selling Tua for 2023? I am in on Tua with the caveat that... His next couple of years are slightly volatile. It takes a couple of years for the human brain to sort of rebound from one concussion, let alone two in back-to-back instances. Um, in terms of NFL precedence, uh, I want to make it very clear. Concussions aren't great. Concussions are bad. We don't want concussions. It's at least, you know, we don't want the long-term effects of them, et cetera, et cetera. For NFL standards, I'm actually quite surprised of the, at the, I guess, hand-wringing that there's been. I mean, we have guys like Brandon Cooks, who at one point in a period of four years had five concussions. Yeah. We've had Jordan Reed, who was in a very similar circumstance. Um, we have guys, you know, you can listen, there are some offensive linemen. One of the Bills offensive linemen had an excessive amount of concussions at one point in his career, back to back to back. So I probably because he's a quarterback, probably because the spotlight was on him, probably because, you know, all the lights and the attention moved to Miami and the Dolphins this year. But, you know, my, my point in saying all that is, yes, this was unfortunate. And yes, another concussion could end his career. But this is not something that we haven't seen before. And so if we're talking from a fantasy football lens, again, I want to be very clear. Uh, two of the human is more important than, you know, for our fantasy purposes. But if we're looking at, at this as fantasy gamers, Tua is not, you know, an extraordinarily higher risk than some of the other guys that we've seen continue to play through these concussions. So for now, tentatively speaking, I'm in on Tua. All right. Jonathan Taylor had an ankle surgery in January. Where's he at? Are you in or out on him? See, I'll be short on this one because I know that you're mad at me because I went on so quickly. <laughs> not Jonathan at Taylor. all. I'm in. I'm in from a health perspective. I'm not concerned. I think that the thing, the thing, he hasn't missed a practice since middle school. Like, I understand, like, the allure of, like, viewing that. But, like, this guy was, I, I, I do not believe this guy was never, you know, in the training room. I'm sure he had issues. And that's, you know, that ankle injury that he had where they had to do the cleanup. Like it sounds like he has spurs in there. Spurs don't just magically grow on your foot overnight. So I think he had some issues, but I'm in on him this year from a health perspective. All right. For the next one, contract issues aside, I mean, JK Dobbins, Gus Edwards, they were both banged up last year. They both sat out OTAs though. Dobbins is apparently because he's looking for a new deal, not injury related. Are you buying or selling them for 2023? 
I'm in on Dobbins. Uh, Edwards, I, I to be honest, I'm kind of like just indifferent. All right. Everyone's favorite free agent running back, Dalvin Cook. He came <laughs> up earlier. You're talking about his injury history. He had surgery this offseason, hopefully to fix those shoulder issues. He always had a shoulder popping out in games. Managed to play through it most of the time, but had it happen quite a bit. How you feeling about Cook? Yeah, I mean, pencil him in for maybe two to four missed games every year. But if you're into that kind of stuff, and I usually am, depending on where his ADP is, like I'm, I'm in on Cook. I could do that. All right, what about the rookie, Taji Spears, the, the Titans rookie back? apparently has no ACL. That was the report that came out around the draft. The Titans seem quite happy with him, though. They've been giving him as much as he can handle. He seems like he's going to be the heir apparent when Derrick Henry moves on, whenever that happens. Would you be drafting him based on the state of his knees? I would be drafting him right now, but it could change as soon as next year. A guy with the medicals that have somehow become public, a guy with medicals like him, uh, they don't last long. That's just unfortunate. The unfortunate reality and the truth, to be blunt, they don't last long in the league. Um, those are those guys are most more likely to fall into you know the same path, the career path that happened to Todd Gurley. Um, the only difference now is that we're actually seeing it and we, we're seeing it on the front end. And so the flip side with with uh, Spears is that Derrick Henry really fell off last year compared to 2021. I know the samples are different. It's pretty stark. Uh, Derrick Henry's numbers, his fantasy numbers from 2021 to 2022 were, were very stark. And so I think we are, can finally say that we're probably watching Derrick Henry ride off into the sunset. And if that means that, you know, we're going to see more Tajay Spears and then I'm in line for that. A dart, I'll say. All right. This is a must on an injury episode. Michael Thomas. He says he's going to be ready. God, do you believe him? Is Michael Thomas going to be ready for camp? And is he going to be able to stay healthy this year? You know what? I said this last year. I said, I I don't know. Um, I don't know what's going on. I think there's a lot of risk there. Uh, Allegedly, he's going to be ready for camp. I don't know why he's not ready, you know, at this point. I... I understand if fantasy managers are just out on him. Maybe depending on how far he slides, I'll take him as like my wide receiver three flex uh, and hope for the best. We did our, our must-have players for 2023 episode recently. Derek Brown and I, we both picked Darren Waller as our must-have tight end this year. I know some people are still shying away because of his age and the injury history. Are you one of them? You know, Ah, this is really hard to say. I don't Um, like that long pause. I I don't like that long pause, Edwin. Here's the deal. He's missed a lot of games with a hamstring issue. As you get older, you get stiffer. Even these elite athletes, your hamstrings don't get better. So I'm trying, what I'm doing right now, the reason I pause is because I'm going through my Rolodex in my head of the last 30 year old, either receiver or tight end who had a severe hamstring issue like that and then bounce it back without any setbacks. It's definitely possible. It's certainly possible. Just know what you're getting yourself into with a 30-plus-year-old tight end who came off a soft tissue injury. There's a risk there, but I also think there's a lot of reward. And depending on the type of fantasy gamer you are, uh, he could really pay off. And if he doesn't, then you just can start streaming like the rest of us, Justin. All right. And the last one here, another older tight end, Zach Ertz, turning 33 years old this year, coming back from ACL and MCL repairs. 
Is it time to just turn the page on Ertz? Is it going to be Trey McBride there now? Or do you think Ertz could actually come back and, and maybe give us another uh, year or two here at production? You remember how Logan Thomas looked last year? That's in the cards for Zach Ertz. I'm, I'm not just turning the page. I'm probably going to shut the book. All right. It is Trey McBride season. Then you heard it there. And that is all for today's show. I mean, make sure you're following Edwin on Twitter. I said it off the top at FB injury doc. Check out all his work, including that injury prone newsletter that he talked about. It's always a pleasure, dude. I love having you on. I just, I appreciate your insight on this stuff so much. I think it's incredibly valuable and I think it really gives people an edge when they're actually paying attention to your work. So it makes me sad when you say that ADPs are going in the opposite (laughs) direction of your advice because, or maybe I should be happy because I'm getting to benefit because I'm following your work. So I hope people realize how valuable it is what you're doing. And I will say, is there anything else that you're working on? I mean, I mentioned a bunch of it. Anything else that you want to direct people towards before we get you out of here? No. Well, Justin, first of all, it's always nice to be on here. I always think to myself that the sharpest analysts that are non-medical in this space are always the ones who reach out to me. Uh, I think that maybe some other aspiring analysts should consider medical perspectives more frequently, not just mine. So I think that that's part of what makes you so good at what you do is that you consider every angle and you understand every angle's importance and and you understand how it all plays into the bigger picture. So, I mean, that's hats off to you for that. You've always been really good at that. In terms of what I'm looking, uh, what, what we're looking for in the future, I am going to publish basically everything that's in my brain that I've looked at over the last five years being doing this job is going to be uh, put onto digital paper, uh, a, a PDF, basically uh, an injury book. And I'm going to publish that sometime in, you know, mid early to mid July. And if you sign up for my newsletter, the injury pro newsletter, it's uh, on my, it's the link on my Twitter at FB injury doc, just sign up there. And you'll be the first to know when it drops. Outstanding. Everybody will be on the lookout for that. As for me, I did a quick mid-month update to the Dynasty Trade Value Charts on Monday. I will try to do the same for the redraft rankings over the next 24 hours. I'm also going to have a bunch more articles on the way coming up uh, this week too. Players to avoid, super deep sleepers, lots of stuff as we ramp up towards the launch of the Scores 2023 Fantasy Football Draft Kit. So I'll be back with another episode later this week. But until then, big thanks to Enwin. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening. And we'll see you next time. Said leave on time. My baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me tonight. I said leave on time.